0: Welcome to Weekday Worship. Welcome to Weekday Worship.
1: That was very sophisticated. I felt like a, a proper introduction to a podcast. The double welcome? The double welcome. You are double welcomes yes. today. J- James is holding his uh, cup of uh, exquisite coffee, exotic
0: Imported. It's Kirkland. Guatemalan. It's it's literally Kirkland coffee with Italian sweet cream.
1: With a a splash of, I don't know, cocoa butter or something. Cocoa butter? I don't... Is that supposed to be an ad or something? Is that (laughs) a jingle?
0: uh, No, I don't... I had a college teammate who... (laughs) One of our buddies in the locker room practice, after practice and games, would... Would put on cocoa butter, and I don't. I just remember my buddy. Uh, what was his name? Chris. I can't remember his last name now. Well, wow. what a teammate. Uh, he he said uh, he would just do it in that voice, and then it just came to me when you said cocoa butter. So it was a little inside joke from somebody I knew 20 years ago. Yeah, <laughs>
1: sorry. Well, well, we
0: hope he's listening. Glad you guys are all here on that he, joke now. He's
1: probably just made his whole life that we yeah. mentioned him on this mass Marketing yeah i podcast. should try to
0: track him down if i could remember his you last should. name and then send him a copy of it and be like dude you got a shout out today and then yeah. uh, he'd also hear that i forgot his last You're name world famous <laughs> at least your first name is yeah. <laughs> your first name
1: is world famous
0: yeah at gonna drive me crazy this whole episode i'm gonna be sitting here whatever we're talking about i'm gonna be thinking yeah. honestly yeah. a lot more about what chris's last name was but i don't usually
1: see you drinking coffee later in the day or is that am i am i incorrect
0: Oh, no, normally I'm a two cups in the early morning and done, and I grabbed a third cup on my way up here to uh, the studios. Hmm. Out of your espresso machine? No, out (laughs) of my Mr. Coffee, (laughs) coffee maker. Oh, man. In my, uh, I don't have one of my cool mugs today, just a a straight black mug. No cool mugs. Yeah, you don't drink coffee.
1: No, I do. Mm -hmm. One cup in the morning. Every morning? One cup. Black? Yes. No cream? No cream. No sugar? Ever. Nothing? Nothing.
0: You go to a Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts or something like that and get black coffee or do you get mm, fancy coffee?
1: No, I mean, mostly I'm drinking at home out of, our, out of the
0: pot, but when I'm feeling... I'm sorry, the, you're doing what with pot? Out of the coffee pot. Oh, my mistake. Yes. I thought I heard something else. Yes. That's a different day. <laughs> 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 oh, boy. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do about editing on this one now. You've presented me with some ethical dilemmas here. What? Do I just, what, huh? I use potting soil at home. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> this is eroding Oh, fast. my
1: gosh. Yes. But, but to your original question, when I'm feeling uh, like, a, like a scholar or a European mm-hmm. intellectual, I like to go and get a cup of coffee at a place called The Forgotten Coast, which on Peachtree Industrial Boulevard kind of skirts the the border between Berkeley Lake
0: and D- I mean in Duluth. and Duluth. Peachtree have, Industrial between yes. Berkeley Lake and Duluth. Yeah. Okay. And it's called what? The, Forgot- the Forgotten For- Coast. It's called The Forgotten Name. Um, <laughs> the forgotten but they Coast. have the best pour-overs.
1: Um, that oh. rotates every oh, week. wow. Okay, with Imported from, from all over
0: the world. Oh, my okay. gosh. I Unbelievable feel like, coffee. I feel like this is a secret homage to Chris Beard. Or no, no, no. I took Chris Beard. There when, I, I don't, Maybe Alex Ellis. I don't Ellis. like doing coffee around Chris. He's very judgmental with the yeah, coffee. Yeah, he's, he's a little persnickety about but his coffee. If, but
1: if Alex Ellis is listening, he's also a fellow big-time Forgotten Coast fan.
0: Well, he lives close to there, so right? He does, so, yeah, a little bit, So I, yeah. bet he can, I bet he can make that trip a little pretty quick. Cool. One of my
1: buddies at Seminary, his family owns that place. Oh, really? Yeah. So Interesting. Good folks. Yeah. So when I'm feeling snobby, I'll go get a $6 coffee from there. That's where you want to take your
0: bougie self is. <laughs> That's where I like to uh, listen to a little classical music and cross my leg and read uh, a tone. We yeah. talked about we talked about music last week and you didn't mention classical music. We were talking about CCM. Is that not classical music? I don't music think it
1: should be mentioned in the same conversation classical Christian as classical music, classical music. Christian
0: music, CCM.
1: Classical Christian music is JS Bach, okay? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not, you just abbreviated it to JS. That's uh, Johann Sebastian. For those of you who didn't know, thank you. Yeah, the musical theorist. Yes. <laughs> um, so you go up there and listen to classical music, like on your headphones. Well, I'm just
1: saying when, when I when I when I drink a nice cup of coffee that I've paid too much for, then
0: I like to I like to to bask in the ambiance of that. Oh my gosh! That activity. This is one of the most non-Caleb Caleb things I've ever heard. I think.
1: How is this not? You can't imagine me in a coffee shop reading a book, listening
0: to classical music on your headphones. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like you you put the AirPods in or something. Yeah. And you put on the playlist. And I, and, what's, and what's I read pl- read bobbing. What's the pl- <laughs> yeah? What's the uh, what's the playlist called? What's my playlist called? The, the classical playlist. Do you have a title for it on your on your phone? Oh, I have a few. One of them would be just straight.
1: Brahms, who's my favorite classical composer, which you probably don't know who that is, I'm guessing. <laughs> he was thinking of something to say. Bra? Brahms. He's my bra. Brahms. 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 Which, shout out to the McCullys, they sent me a beautiful statue of Brahms, a picture of a statue of Brahms, at a place where he used to visit in the summer when they're while they're in
0: Germany the right Macaulay's now. The McCullys sent me, and I told them to send it to you, mm-hmm. uh, a photo at the front of the church that... A church that um Bond offered. Yeah, mastered. they sent that to me too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. we right, well, some we're we're cool digressing
1: stuff. into high culture here. <laughs> but what what are we talking about
0: today? Uh, uh, I'm not even comfortable talking about it. Editor in chief? Uh, our our bodies? <laughs> is <that laughs> Why is that funny? I don't know. Just you don't like this. talking about your body? No. <laughs> what should I? I don't know. Did God give you a body change? Uh, uh, I like talking about my body while <laughs> sipping on a cold pour-over from the Remembered <laughs> Valley coffee shop wow. whilst listening to You can't even think of a, a composer. You, you can't even
1: think of one. <laughs> <laughs> Come Yo-Yo on. Ma. Yo-Yo Ma. <laughs> yeah.
0: Name one rendition of yo Yo-Yo Ma. Rendition—that was a really good movie with Jake Gyllenhaal. See, you're the movie guy. I'm the, that's, oh, I'm that, sorry. That,
1: now, now you're gonna, now you're gonna big dog me because I, um, I, I don't know any. Movie, I'm not a movie
0: guy. Bodies. Yes, we're talking about our body. Would it be inappropriate to name? Never mind. The episode. <laughs> I had a, I had a John Mayer song pop into my head. Oh my god! As like gosh. the title for oh our episode. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> That would not be appropriate. I just decided. Which he, for
1: a long time, hated singing.
0: Mm. Interesting.
1: John, he got to the point where he thought it was the cheesiest, worst song he had ever written, and he hated having to sing it. I don't disagree with him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now, there's an episode. I could do a whole episode on a theology of John Mayer's music. A theology of John Mayer's music? Uh The philosophy of John Mayer. Yeah, I could do that. Hmm. But I think that would be a, a very niche.
0: But instead we're doing...
1: We're talking about body image. Body image. So I, I, t- I taught a uh, a class on sexuality and identity
0: mm-hmm.
1: at Generations a few weeks ago. Yes, sir. And did a good job. I hope so. It was good. I hope so. Helpful. Um, but I had a section on body image, which is obviously broader than areas of sexuality but definitely includes it and i thought maybe working through that section a little bit in a podcast format would be really helpful to a broader audience because who in the world
0: doesn't deal with body image only the disembodied (laughs) that sounded like philosophically deep but it wasn't at all i don't know (laughs) james do you do you deal with body image i suspect yeah 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 do you feel like that's... I'm not real w- conscious of it all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah,
1: but Do you feel like when you were younger it was more present or it gets present as you get older? It probably comes in waves. Yeah. It's a different thing, I think, probably. Yeah. It's not as much-
0: I mean, I can tell you, like, like, you, like do I deal with that still? Yeah, I mean, I guess so because, like, I intentionally have changed some eating and exercise habits recently, partly because I felt and I felt yucky and didn't like looking at the way I was aging, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> if I can say it that way. But it's way. probably
1: like, like, the way I think about it is both the young and people getting older, they, they're both experiencing it, but a lot of times it's a little different. Oh, very different. Like when you're younger, it's more comparing yourself to your peers, mm-hmm. right, in terms of a very uh, hyper-focus on aesthetic and what your muscles look like as a dude as a young teenager or you know what your body looks like as a yeah you know in, in much more of a, a sexually tense atmosphere if that makes sense when you're younger I think whereas when you're older it's more obviously that's a factor but it's a lot more man my, my body's changing mm-hmm. in a way and it's less oh man I don't like how that guy's got bigger biceps than me in the locker room, you know, it's a different thing if that makes yeah. sense. Though that yeah. exists, obviously. You know, we're always comparing ourselves at some level. But it's a universal experience, I think. I think it's something we all deal with, but rarely talk about. If that makes sense. Or would you disagree with what I'm saying? Um
0: I certainly don't talk about my body a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's probably... I mean, we all look in the mirror most days. Um, we all get dressed <laughs> most days. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't get that one maybe out. Maybe in uh, the pandemic, all, days, you didn't get dressed. You yeah, just... I mean... So I think, I, I think at some level, it's something we're forced to maybe confront at some level. We're not mm-hmm. always super conscious of it. I mean, but... I mean, I don't know how I, I I don't know fully the direction we're going with this or yeah. the the layers of this, yeah. but like as ev- so that's evidence of our yeah this uh, uh, our, our, intense our, our pre prep, prep <laughs> our prep show prep uh, we just said I, the word
1: pre prep
0: <laughs> <laughs> we don't do prep or pre prep much uh, no you do prep uh, I uh, I but like I'm I'm very aware most days of like. My baldness, let's say, or my mm-hmm. like my hairline and uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that isn't really there, or mm-hmm. you know, I get annoyed that I can't grow a beard. Um, or it's like those are—I don't know if that would be body image per se, but I'm aware of those facial things because yeah, that's yeah. part of your yourself you see regularly yeah, yeah. in the mirror and so yeah. forth. And, um, and
1: so they're all. Everyone has their unique issues. Yeah, sure. The, but everyone's dealing at some level with. Uh, that kind of shame of their body in some way,
0: yeah, even just the irritation of like one of the places I made aware of things like that is like again, you get dressed every day and pants fit differently, you know as your body shifts and changes yeah, yeah. right, so like those are things you become aware of uh, just while you're getting dressed or whatever shirts, maybe you know as you're <laughs> you're putting on a little weight in the midsection, it's like all of a sudden uh. uh a non-slim fit shirt feels like it morphed to a slim fit shirt and you're like hey what happened here you know so so I think in different ways we're forced to deal with it we can't really escape it we're
1: yeah and so everyone listening can kind of they're envisioning their own unique experience with this I would say universal experience and I guess my first thing is I want to kind of zoom in on why that is like from a theological perspective why is it that we all have even though it's unique to every one of us why are we all experiencing this. Right? What's what's the cause at some level? A, a primary cause. Obviously there's a bunch of different causes, but at a at a fundamental level, why do we feel like our body isn't right at some level? Um I blame government, but what do you do you want to blame? <laughs> uh I'd like to blame sin. I think that that's a more uh, Oh,
0: well who saw that coming? Well, Just kidding. I, I, I do a lot of study for that
1: answer at seminary. Yeah. You
0: know? <laughs> <laughs> We're paying big bucks and spending yeah. lots of time
1: yeah, to come a, to that conclusion. Yes. Um, but I'm thinking specifically of Romans eight, nineteen through 23, giving us kind of a big, broad picture of what's happening in the world under sin. It says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. and Not only creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Mm. So obviously there's a lot going on in that passage, kind of flirting back and forth between the groaning the subjection to futility, the bondage, and the hope, um, and the transformation, um, from that state. Mm -hmm. But I think the, the purpose of what we're talking about, the, the passage is telling us that we know creation is damaged. It's, it's kind of marred. It's, it's broken at some level. And, uh, and not only, I think, I think this passage is always focused rightly in some ways on kind of the outward creation, that all of creation is, is under sin in some way. But yeah. it's also talking about, in, as, as, as evidence of our redemption of our bodies here, that us as created beings, our bodies are under that bondage, that subjection. It's, it's frustrated. Our bodies have been frustrated by mm-hmm. sin and its effects mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. and I think that's the world we all live in. I think that's the world we all live in. A frustratedness and uneasiness, a, a kind of a, a shame about our bodies that that uh, that that we're all dealing with at some level. And I think it comes probably in waves like you were saying earlier for us, from the different places. For some people it's it's less of an issue. It's kind of something that's unconscious and maybe flares up at times. There are other people who I mean body image is something that nags at them all day long. Mm-hmm. I and mean, it's a constant thing. It is something that almost enslaves their life. There's different Kind of manifestations of what that looks like, yeah. And uh, and I think obviously it gets exacerbated in a digital age where we're constantly seeing comparisons of bodies all over the place, right? Yeah. I. Uh... <laughs>
0: Caleb just stopped talking he was, like, waiting for me to respond and mm-hmm. say something, and I, I just don't have anything else to say about it. <laughs> I, I was just thinking, like, I'm almost never speechless, but I don't have anything to add. Stumped. Yeah. He was stumped by, stumped, by the like, sin of Romans 8. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> yeah, I, I don't... Uh, well... I I was thinking. I was thinking that it's just another way we could riff on uh, bang on uh, Facebook. You know, we could, and I actually have some social media examples. Instagram on on here. Oh, segue.
1: Um, So obviously, like I said, body image and the shame of it, and those sorts of things, is a universal universal experience. It's kind of throughout time, almost. But uh, but with the digital age, there's both a uh, there's both a hyper kind of comparison idea that's going on. Um, but there's also a lot of outlets for people to express their shame and their body image. Um, it has nothing to do with this. Is a different social media platform. But one of the things I did in preparing to think about how people universally are experiencing body shame is there is a James. I don't know. I'm going to mention this. I don't know if you if you have ever. Do you know what Tumblr is?
0: I'm I'm aware of it as an existing entity. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell you exactly what it is. Okay. And I've certainly never Yeah. been on it, used it. What, I don't okay. even know what the proper Yeah, it's a social media platform. Okay. Okay.
1: Is and it a it's been around, app or something? No, it's been around for a long time. And uh, it, it it has become at some level a place for people to gather around certain ideas or groups okay. or uh, expressions. Um, so it's a, it's a place where a lot of people go to express themselves, um, both positively and how they're feeling at some level. It's, it, uh, they get to kind of un- unload a lot of things on Tumblr. There's, it's a D de- it's a deep world. That's not what every other social media
0: platform <laughs> well, I, well, is. It, it's just
1: different. I, younger people who are listening will know what I'm talking okay. about. They, they will. And, um, so I went on that site knowing where, a lot, knowing a lot of this goes on at a hyper level and just was typing in body image and uh, hating my body and those sort of things, seeing what, mm-hmm. what groups were coming up and seeing people reading hundreds and hundreds of posts, of people explaining how much they just hate their body. They can't get over themselves and and um, and was just struck by these people willing to just unload all of that on the internet. <laughs> just kind of almost crying out to to express their pain in mm. their body image and, and things obviously that are that we talk about a lot that, that kind of come up when you think of body image like weight or or something like that mm-hmm. but but particularly in the younger generations even things like like acne in mm. area that again when i was growing up it was some, something that a lot of teenagers dealt with but it was never talked about
0: mm.
1: it was something that well, like such a sensitive thing such a sensitive thing yeah. an absolutely sensitive thing and yet it was just it was just a subject that was never kind of brought up, like mm-hmm. how you're dealing with that um, and uh so uh, like that was one of the communities on this Tumblr site that I just uh, just blew me away of people unloading that and I'll read one of the quotes from that I found just to express this the brokenness that people feel about their bodies, even the area of something that we don't even talk about much, which is which is acne. this is a young person on Tumblr, and they said. I've spent so much time trying to do research on how to fix my face. Hours on YouTube and Google, even TikTok, to try and see what works for other people. I'm tired of both avoiding my reflection yet also staring at my own acne in disgust. I'm tired of my mom looking at my cheeks instead of my eyes when she speaks to me. Mm -hmm. I'm tired of not wanting anyone to look at me because all they'll see is redness and cysts. I have never hated my appearance this much before. God, so sad. And yet, I, I mean, mean, I think there's a lot of people that feel that exact same way, but they never get to express it. It doesn't get to be talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet... It, like, I feel that. Yeah, I, I feel got, I
0: feel like you were reading that, and I just, like, I'm, I feel emotional hearing you read it. Like, yeah. God it's just, like, takes me to... I think partly because I live in a world as a parent that... I've got, obviously, sons that are 20 and mm-hmm. 16, two, twins 16, one heading into kind of puberty at 12. Yeah, yeah. Um, my daughter, <laughs> it, and you know, it wreaks havoc on boys and girls. It's not... This Absolutely. Isn't, this isn't, like, a unique thing to girls. It, yeah. it might feel exaggerated with girls, I think, and I'm I'm more aware of them. Like, already, at not even eight years old, you know, she's lost a number of teeth. She's in that stage of, yeah, like, losing yeah. teeth. And so... Um, the way that she can sometimes be self-conscious about that sometimes, um, her voice is real kind of a little deep and scraggly and yeah. people have made comments. It's amazing how people will make comments about things like at school or something like that. And then she internalizes that, mm-hmm. you know, in the way that it starts yeah. to shape how, so she'll say, I hate my voice and I hate, you know, yeah. um, when it's like that, that's one of those things I just so love about Reagan's yeah, like yeah, yeah. like she has this very distinct and I think really cute and adorable voice and um, and so, like when you read that, I think about it as a dad who's got kids at different stages of they're heading out of into this or they're in it right now and, and yeah. knowing just that there's a lot of this that goes on yeah, and, and it went on in me, and it does at some level still go on in everybody me. I mean from people who deal like even with, with with
1: an issue like acne people who who deal with it severely, but even the smallest pimple
0: mm-hmm. can like wreck your day it can wreck your world it can i, I like mean all I was, these little things like right? I, some of us i don't know if i'm the only one who experienced this during since covid like in wearing masks i started to get a lot yeah, of yeah, yeah. like z- yeah, yeah. zits and stuff around yeah. my mouth face area yeah. because of the sweat yeah. that would be under the mask and stuff like that and like and it just took me back into this world of like ugh, having that constantly
1: you know? on your back of thinking how people yeah. are you, you know like the Feeling only conspicuous. What, when when i think about something um as detailed of an issue as acne. It points me back to that universal experience that I'm seeing in Romans 8 of frustration <sighs> and shame. Yeah. Those two words. The guttural. Frustration and shame. And shame. I think those two things can, can
0: really come out. This episode's and, making me sad. <laughs> we need to take a break uh, for one of our sponsors to make us feel better. Or we can do, like, the SNL commercials. <laughs> the, they, do,
1: they do a parody. It's a little... <laughs> I don't know. Okay, next Just, week we'll think of a par- we Next week, James going to think of a parody to lighten the
0: mood in the middle Yeah, we that. need a sponsor. Uh, maybe we get, like, Joey Greer with his mailbox company or something to be a sponsor for us. Yeah, like that. Yeah. Has Joey, some, Joey, let us know if you want to sponsor the has podcast. Has an Amazon driver nailed
1: your mailbox in the last <laughs> six weeks? <laughs> because uh, you are not alone he told he, <laughs> he told me that like amazon is like one of his he's in business because of amazon drivers. wow
0: that's funny yeah yeah that's funny
1: okay so back to, back to what we we're talking about so again this kind of universal frustration and shame even in minute or, or, or detailed experiences of that but there's also kind of this there's a there's a struggle with how to formulate how to think about your body and your appearance—it's—it's it's hard to think about a path of healing in there. So another, and just reading some some people expressing this on on Tumblr. Another, uh, this was a girl. She said, uh, "I think I looked okay today in my carefully picked out outfit, with my makeup all done and my hair perfectly styled. But underneath it all, I still feel like I can never be pretty enough, smart enough, interesting enough. I just want to love myself, but I have no idea how." Mm-hmm. I think that's a big deal I I don't, I I don't think that's a unique experience there's a there's a desire to want to to have a healthy view of yourself but not knowing how
0: well i, I maybe there is this this you know there's that she says it and this is common in self esteem world that we live in right so in terms of the psychological emphasis on that and mm-hmm. um, I just want to love myself um, we would know, I think, theologically, that yeah. the goal should not be to love ourselves more. <laughs> yeah, that's not the um, end goal, right? Yeah. The, but having a healthy view of yourself is really important, is good. But, which I think you, for me, that's tapped into a little bit through, you know, Tim Keller has a book that's on humility called Self Forgetfulness or the, yes, uh, yeah. the Freedom of Self The Freedom of forgetfulness. Self Forgetfulness. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, C.S. Lewis says it that way in one of his writings where he says I would be free of myself but for a moment would be like a cool drink of water in the desert Mm -hmm. you know and that to me is like the loving myself I think is the the cultural idealized maybe resolution of these things but I think probably a, a more faithful idealized is like to not to just not be aware of myself it's a side effect of a bigger problem i think yeah Yeah. and i i think that's the thing is like i don't want to be around strutting any more than i want to be around like self-conscious right i just want to not be thinking about how i'm being perceived how i'm how i'm looking to people what impression i'm creating what's you know what 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 brand i'm you know uh curating or whatever i just don't want to be so self-consumed yeah I, yeah, I, I agree, and
1: I think we'll we'll get to we'll get to how we. Sorry, get there. I'm jumping ahead. My bad. But the, I think the let's the keep po- groaning. The point of the universal experiences of frustration and shame about our bodies and our image is, I think a lot of people recognize this is a bad cycle. This is a bad way to live and view others and view myself. And like, it, it, it's there's something wrong with this cycle, but mm-hmm. I don't know where to start mm-hmm. with how to fix it. Yeah. And I think, that's, I, I think there's something to that, mm-hmm. like across Christian, non-Christian mm-hmm. at some level. <clears throat> and so uh, when we think about stereotypes, I think that's another big point of this discussion is in terms of image, it's amazing how impactful words are. Can affect how we view ourselves in terms of uh, what other people say about us. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's cliche to talk about beauty standards and social media and all those things, which is a roaring conversation that needs to be had. But even just <clears throat> beyond that, I think there's things that all of us probably have heard people say about us that stick with us forever. Yeah. They stick with us. Yeah. So I read a story, when I was preparing for this class, I was reading a story about a, a Christian minister who uh, he was, he, self, he described himself as a short guy, and he's always been a short guy. And uh, he said that um, one of the ways he's coped with that ever since he was a kid was to just be the funny guy. Mm-hmm. And so he would just kind of make fun of his own height to yeah. kind of to gloss over that. And so everyone knew him as that way. Mm-hmm. And he said when he got to college, um, that kind of persona stuck as the short, funny guy. And he said one night they were... Uh, him and some friends were hanging out with uh it was a mixed crowd girls and guys and um at the rec center of their college and it was at night and they were leaving and a couple of the girls asked the guys hey would would one of you walk us to our car because it was a dark alley or whatever and he said he raised his hand oh oh, i'll I'll walk you guys And, and the girls looked at him and said does he count? And then sort of started busting out laughing, you yeah. know, and he busts out laughing too, because yeah, sure. that's what he does to himself, right? Yeah. It's like talk the way, yeah. but he said for like 25 years that, that has stuck with me. Mm-hmm. I think about it all the time. That'd it be- hurt me.
0: It hurt me deeply as I was and going there's nothing through, I can um, do about that. You know? I was going through uh, the sort of some pastoral counseling with a guy. It was probably a good, maybe seven years ago now, uh, something like that. And, um, we were talking through some different things, and he was talking about, you know, when you when you talk to, um, when you work through people's kind of deep-rooted issues, you inevitably start to dig into family of origin and things that, and and most often it's about things that mom and dad did or didn't do, and things that they shaped better or for worse into you and those kind of things. But a lot of, you know, parental wounds or things that you're dealing with. And but this this one guy in particular, so much of his. Uh, so much of the, the injuries that he carried from his family of origin was from his older brother. And it struck me as kind of like, just like, man, I, I, I'm a younger brother. I've got three older brothers, but I didn't, I didn't, I guess it was one of those first times where I was reconciling with like, man, the things we say to our brothers and sisters really, really matter. Yes. And, um, and there was some insults that were like in this vein against that brother. Um, and, and, and it triggered some memories of my own, Mocking of one of my brothers, mm-hmm. and it was one of my brothers who um, uh, I, honestly the funny thing is like wasn 't even overweight, but i like my body image issues or my growing up i was the i was the little one, the scrawny one, the mm-hmm. skinny one the you know so like i i didn't so that stuff was I was conscious of well he was one of my brothers that that the rest of us would would make comments about him being fat or overweight, and he wasn't even like it wasn't even true about him, you know. But it was just like maybe compared to me or whatever. Or and so we created like we would, we would make these comments and whatever. And um, what was interesting was that came back to my mind during this counseling session. And uh, like the next week, we were going on vacation uh, with my my whole family. And so we were at the pool one day, and that. And I just felt convicted by the Lord that I needed to go back and uh, and repent and apologize because I didn't know how I might have adversely impacted him, recognizing that this was a guy actually much older than the guy that I had counseled or was meeting with. He was like in his fifties. Yeah. Right. And he was still remembering things that his brother had said to him 40 years before. It was like, Whoa. And so I apologized. I brought some of that up and I said, I don't even know if you think about this or whatever. And, and, um, and so I just was like, bring it up to apologize. I just want to ask your forgiveness for that. And he got very emotional as we were talking. He was like, I think about it every day and it's, it stays with me and it's hampered me from the time we were. And it was just like, Like and I felt the weight of this, like man, as a stupid little kid, you say these careless, thoughtless things, thinking you're being funny or needling or whatever. Your brother, part of it's out of your own self defense or, or, whatever, and and you find out that, like man, 25, 30 years later, this is still hurting, yeah, my brother in some way, and it just felt like so, ugh, how how just messed up that is, you know. Um, but it, I, I don't know. I wonder, I, I suspect anybody listening to this has stories like that. Yeah. Things that people said, like the one you were talking about, that have stuck with them for a time, that have landed in a certain way. Yeah. And here's the other thing. I bet most of you have been a part of that with somebody else, like where you've been on the saying end yeah. of some things. yeah And, and you just, probably forgot. You, you probably didn't yeah, know you Yeah, maybe you, you don't remember. Maybe you do. I think it's a worthwhile thing to think about that. Man, I mm-hmm. wonder if there's anybody in my life who I would have participated in that kind of thing who I could go back and maybe make, make life, maybe bring some healing to that person. Yeah. I, I just found that it was helpful for me and my brother to actually have talked about that, and I wouldn't have known that it was still impacting him that way otherwise. Yeah. So anyway.
1: For sure. Yeah. So powerful. Yeah. Such little things that are so powerful. So we, so yeah. we talked about that a universal feeling of frustration and shame with our bodies and our image whether it be from the things we're seeing in our own bodies, the so things we're comparing ourselves to, or the little words that people say to us. One of the last things, and I feel like this is like the Debbie Downer episode of
0: it's a, good a, weekday, to CCM. a
1: weekday worship, yeah, yeah. Is, that, this that is that just weekday. screams to us. This is, this is not us. weekday
0: worship. This is weekday wallow. That's weekday <laughs> wallow. Well, that's the alternative title.
1: <laughs> weekday wallow. But is uh, the, the kind of the last kind of universal experience to, to think through is death, something that screams to us that we're frustrated <laughs> and we're really in shame. Really
0: did bring us down there. Is that wah, here? Wah. Like
1: we're all going to die. There, there's my there's my theological tight Sleep tight, Nugget <laughs> of of the day. <laughs> you are in this podcast are going to die, and I'm gonna ba- I'm gonna I'm gonna back it up as a good. Biblical Christian with a Bible verse. Just in case you didn't, you didn't know that you were going to die. Romans five twelve. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all
0: sinned. Mm. Groundbreaking. Caleb has uncovered one of the great mysteries of the world. We will die. Yeah, yeah. And
1: obviously, that's like a... Spoiler, a, spoiler a, alert. It's an ethereal <laughs> truth, right, to, to many of us. But the, the recognition of that and the, the process of that <laughs> is something that, uh, that I think, again, we all know about, but we don't talk about a lot. So, for instance, at, at my uh, community group this past week, we were talking through what are some areas of theological clarity that you'd like to to grow in and we talked about some major things but then people were talking about some really detailed things about what they were going to grow in we're
0: going to die no I'm not
1: kidding one of the things that was brought up was how to face aging and death Mm -hmm. that's a real that's a real thing that's a real thing right it's something that we all have to to think through as a frustrating thing (laughs) But also, it, it, it's kind of a, a shameful thing. It's something that's to hard to, to to grapple with. Um, there was a. This is just a fascinating quote, and I'm, again, I'm a man of many quotes, and I just like them. So, think about the, our sciency folks on the podcast will like this quote about death. Do we have sciency folks? <laughs> I like to imagine we do. <laughs> okay. okay, I like to I like to imagine we do. All right, but listen okay. to this. If we have
0: sciency folks, do they call themselves sciency? Is that a scientific term? Probably not. Okay.
1: So this is from Bill Bryson, a scientist. He wrote a book on the body. And uh, he says, We shed skin cells copiously, almost carelessly, some 25,000 flakes a minute, over a million pieces every hour. Run a finger ar- along a dusty shelf, and you are in large part clearing a path through fragments of your former self. Silently and
0: remorselessly, we turn to dust. That is so weird. Facts. Uh, that was very um, fatalistic.
1: Hey, if if Ecclesi- if the the writer of Ecclesiastes would have had that book, he would have quoted it. Yeah. Sure. he would have. That's a, That's a that's a prime time Ecclesiastes quote. But so the bottom line: our bodies are broken. Yeah. Um, our image is frustrated. And so the question is, what is our hope? And I, we're not going to get too far in this. This is going to have to be a two-parter. Oh, um, Lord. James is excited. <laughs> two-parter on our bodies. Because you should hear the other ideas James has <laughs> for episodes. <laughs> uh, go ahead. You were saying. Uh, but, yeah, so with that kind of reality, what's our hope? And so this is where, where I like to talk about the... Eat, drink, and, to, and be, be merry. For tomorrow well, we die. You could, you could do that. That's the Epicureans from uh, Romans 17. Uh-huh. But I like to talk about this Acts hope. 17? Yes, Acts 17. Um, that's not where Paul says that, but the Epicureans in Acts 17...
0: No, I just people you said Roman it. 17. It's like a counter oh, to the yeah, X-29 yes, yes, yes. network. It's the Roman 17 network. Roman seven. I think that's out of the first, first opinions. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, where are we? What's we're, our
1: hope? We're, what's our hope? Yeah, this is where I, I like to tie it into the language of the body's recreation. So I think a helpful image is that God created the world. It fell into sin. But through the gospel, God is recreating the world Um, through the spirit. Yeah. Um, But there was a cost to that. And uh, so that that ultimate hope can be found right in the very verses we, we first mentioned that we're talking about the frustration and shame and bondage of being a broken creation. So Romans 8, 20. 21 says for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. It's a beautiful promise wrapped into that. The hope uh, that is in the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So the hope here is found in the work of the gospel to bear this world's shame and recreate the world's beauty. But how that happened is, um, and again, I these are big contours of the Christian story that I hope you're going to see how they fit into this area of uh, body image. The fact that Jesus took on flesh, that he took on a body, it, it shows the highest view of the goodness of the body and the value of the body to God. I think it's a very important point that writers and scriptures are making all the time, that It's really important that Jesus became a man Mm -hmm. and didn't just come down as a spirit or an angel or something like that. Um, But part of the gospel work was Christ taking on a human body in a fallen world. Jesus did not corrupt his body with sin, but did feel the corruption of sin upon his body. The frustration, the shame, the brokenness. Jesus walked among us in this world. And the cliche, so like, what's the cliche verse for that? Hebrews 4, right? When everyone talks about, well, Jesus can sympathize with you, they throw out he- Hebrews 4:15, which says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. I think... So that's a verse that I've heard a lot in my life sure. for a, a lot of different things. I think it's not as impactful unless we show what specifically... <laughs> How can Jesus specifically sympathize us in these different areas that we're talking about? I think it just becomes kind of a catch-all that isn't as impactful if we don't kind of show, okay, if we're saying Jesus can sympathize with us in our brokenness, how we feel ugly about ourselves, how we feel uh, shame and frustration about Mm -hmm. our bodies, I think we're just throwing out a cliche. So I want to offer that in a few Old Testament passages that speak of Jesus um, in the flesh. Mm. So Isaiah 53, famous passage, right, that everyone kind of knows is a a passage to speak to about Jesus and his crucifixion and his coming to uh, take our sin and stuff. Uh, Isaiah 53, 2 through 3 says, He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Mm
0: -hmm. It's interesting, isn't it? Because we wouldn't... I don't know, we tend to... We probably all have our own image of, of Jesus in our minds when we think about him. and It's funny, we even sing or talk about seeing Jesus, beholding his beauty, his glory, his majesty, and in a sense we're talking about the, not his physical appearance, because we don't know what that was, right? We're talking about the sort of the character. I think
1: this is talking about spiritual, of of his physical appearance as well. No, this is, but I'm saying, like,
0: I'm saying we sing about that, but it's kind of more ethereal, and we don't have an actual concrete image of him that we might imagine him looking a certain way or whatever. And I think what Isaiah 53 is telling us is that, you know, I mean, w- w- we we do read in other places. Uh, you know, Saul, King Saul, was was uh, extraordinary in his stature. He mm-hmm. was taller mm-hmm. and more handsome than yeah. the other men. Right when physical views mentioned, like in it's mentioned of there, Joseph is identified as a really good-looking man. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, We certainly see women who are called beautiful mm-hmm. uh, in appearance and, yeah, yeah. And, and so forth, and those who are not. Yeah. Um, you know, like there's that juxtaposition between Rachel and Leah that's drawn in Genesis mm-hmm. where uh, one was, was more captivating physically, the other was, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. I think it characterizes her as having weak eyes uh, <laughs> um, and, and that she wasn't much to look at, I yeah, guess. Yeah. And, um, and so I say that to say when it says that Jesus had no beauty or majesty in him that would mm-hmm. attract us to him, uh, nothing in him that we would desire him. I, like, it's not because it, 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 it's not, the Bible doesn't say that because the Bible has no conception of that. The Bible yeah. is saying it specifically. Like yeah. It's, it's emphasizing that. Yes. Absolutely. Um, I think it's, you're 100% right. It's helping us to understand that Jesus wasn't, let's say it this way. It's not telling us that Jesus is hideous. I think what it's probably indicating is Jesus was very ordinary. Okay. He was appearance. not. He was not the pinnacle of perfection. Yeah. There was nothing that would draw you physically to Jesus just by his appearance, and so uh, it doesn't make me think he's particularly unattractive. It just he's just a normal guy in, yeah. in the in the embodied sense, like the yes. the, the, the 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 physical appearance yeah. sense. I think that's what's going on
1: in verse two, and then I think in verse three you get to a part where because of. What's happening to, happening to Jesus as he's being whipped and carried oh. along to the cross? That it makes it worse. It, oh. it makes his image marred to the point of it says they hid their faces from him. Yeah, so where he was not even wor- they, 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 there was no self-esteem, no nothing left in Jesus to say, "Look at me from a bodily perspective."
0: It yeah. was all torn in two. It was like a, like he would have been certainly at that point a repellent.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, People hid sorts. their face from him. That's a, that's a
1: striking line. Yeah. Um, he knew what it was like to be ugly, mm-hmm. I think, is the affirmation there in verse 3 in that experience. And I think Isaiah 52 goes even further. Isaiah 52 has, has a passage which is doing the same thing, giving us a picture of Jesus. Um, and it says, Isaiah 52, 14, as many were as as many were astonished at you. His appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So in that crucifixion and all of the torture that came before that, Jesus' body became so disfigured in that moment that he was beyond human resemblance. He couldn't even be recognized as an image bearer, the text says. Mm. He beyond beyond that of the children of mankind. The brokenness of a sinful world stripped any creational beauty from Jesus. In that moment, he knew what it's like to feel so inhumane, so disgusting, so ashamed. It's it's just this picture of of complete shame and vulnerability. At some mm-hmm. way. It reminds me of this. Like, have have you ever been in the hospital with somebody who, a lot of times, this is with older people. It doesn't have to be with older people, but who are just so sick that they that they're any any ability to put on a, a, a healthy front or a, or a or a or a or an image of themselves looking okay like their entire their body is just to the point where they are just embarrassed to I, even
0: be in front this of this is people. actually more personal for me i mean not to say that that's not very personal for people i i got in a Car accident my freshman year of college on Christmas break in which my face went through the windshield of my car. Yeah. And so literally the the right the right half of my face was marred. Um, I had over three hundred stitches mm. uh, given in the emergency room that night to try to piece the flesh of my face back together. I had two uh, successive. Plastic surgeries to repair scarring damage that was yeah. there. Those of you who might have seen me before, where my my eyebrow uh, on my right side is is still uh, scarred, and there's there's parts of it that look missing. And sometimes people don't ever notice it until a certain yeah, yeah. point, a certain light, and they'll ask me, "What happened?" And um, I've had people literally say to me, like that I've known for years, in some cases, where they'll go, "What happened to your face?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> and I become aware. But man, I remember vividly yeah. when that happened. That's the most conscious of my appearance I've ever been. Mm. And for the days that immediately followed, I would go into um, hospitals or doctor's offices to, for various things that I was having to get uh, yeah. checked out after that accident. And I felt like, I felt hideous. Yeah. And I felt everybody's stares. Yeah. I felt the, the glances, the people. I felt the non stares mm-hmm. that were intentionally trying not to stare. Yeah. Because they were aware of how ugly I was. Yeah. And I remember, like, at 19 years old in college and then going back to college. This is your freshman year. I remember going back to college and feeling the conspicuousness of my appearance where, you know, I felt okay about myself at some level and then this happened. And so when you're in college and you're thinking, you know, you you want girls to like you and, and all that stuff. And my I've got all this scarring and these cuts and these, you know, things that took a long time to heal. Yeah. And, Um, Man, I remember that. And it was powerful Um, in its disorientation of me, the way that it brought kind of that experience of shame. And I became much more sensitive to how I saw people after that. It, it, It made me far more empathetic with people who maybe have some physical defect or some appearance that's probably obvious not what obviously not what they would want it to be yeah. things like acne mm-hmm. or, or whatever where um I think I became more human as a result of it yeah and I became more able to see the humanity in others because yeah. of it um but it was painful to walk through that. Yes. and I'm still made aware of it at times mm-hmm. you know because I had I do have these scars that are on my cheek and on my eyebrow and uh, my eyelid actually has scars from the cuts of that, and um, I have scars on my knee from that. And so, anyway, that is to say, like I just remember how dominant my shameful appearance was in my own psyche for many months following that.
1: Yeah, and I think the what we're getting here in Isaiah fifty-two and fifty-three is that Jesus experienced that vulnerability of ugliness and shame mm-hmm. and weakness for the world to see yeah like he did that in front of the world mm-hmm. <laughs> which is uh which is unbelievable yeah and uh, so what i when i when i taught this, this is what i this was a paragraph that i wrote down and i said jesus knows what it's like when we think uh ourselves when we think we are hideous to look at he knows what it's like to have people look at your face and see red marks everywhere. The feeling that those with acne, uh, that feel debilitating. Jesus knows that feeling. He knows what it's like to feel unattractive. He knows what it's like to feel like your body is nothing but pain and destruction to you. And I, I, I don't really, I honestly want to stop there. I, I think a lot of times we move too quickly past sitting in that place with jesus and we move on straight to the to the resurrection what he offers and and brings to us and all this stuff without appreciating
0: the redemption of our bodies well we don't want to move on well we we
1: move on to that quickly (laughs) right but you want to sit in the agony for a week i think we do because it's a lot of times we sit in that agony all by ourselves all the time forgetting that there's one who sat in it with us yeah who went before us into it yeah who knows the feeling that you feel when he takes on a human body and a human mind and a human will and he experiences to the utmost degree the frustration and shame of what that feels like and he's the only one that never deserved to feel such a thing yeah Yeah. which is a uh, adds a whole nother dimension to to that reverence but I just want everyone on this podcast to know whatever your body image issue is, Jesus can relate to it. Mm. Jesus can relate to it. Jesus relates to the universal experience of frustration and shame in a broken creation. Yeah. So next week, we'll talk about redemption of the body and because of Jesus sitting in that shame with us, actually giving us the resurrection from it. Um, I know that's kind of a a weird way to end this, um, <laughs> but I think it's worth sitting in, and I, and I want everyone to kind of think through their own issues in this area, and maybe invite Jesus into them
0: at some level. It's amazing how compartmentalized we can approach our relationship with God, right? Where mm-hmm. this does this seems distant from spirituality, and part of what you're yeah. saying, I think, rightly um, and meaningfully, is that this is not detached from, this is deeply embedded. Like spirituality is a part of this. Yeah. Um, and this is something that we can, like you said, invite Jesus into. And actually our fellowship with Christ can be deepened by our own awareness of his having gone before us into this, of his ability to sit with us in the tension of this, um, and relate to us and, and, and walk alongside us. And, um, and then, you know, we'll get into the positive side, like you said, next week. But, um, but allowing our lives to be truly, fully integrated where we are whole persons, not compartmentalized component parts of persons. Yeah. Um, is a real important part of this. So.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll see you next week for the body part two. <laughs>
0: it's like uh, ESPN. The body issue is that a is that ESPN? I don't think that's that what we would want issue? to direct our people towards. <laughs> but that's a good title for the episode. The body issue. Sure. <laughs> the body episode. That's,
1: that's your department. So oh, I don't know. The body issue. The bo- <laughs> If anyone has any qualms with that, James. <laughs> at generation stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys next week.